Well, hey, um, today is going to be a little bit of a heavy topic, and I, I, I just, uh, you can turn me down some, Caleb, because I don't want to yell, or I'm probably going to yell, and I don't want to bleed y'all's ears. Um, all right, that's what's up, Jerry, that's what's up. Uh, today we're going to be talking about a passage of Scripture, and I actually want to just start by reading the Lord's Prayer. As you guys know, we've been in a collection of talks called Thy Will Be Done, where we've been walking through the Lord's Prayer. And I'm just going to read the entire prayer that Jesus says, and, and what we're going to be focusing on today is something that I believe all of us at some degree or some level, regardless of our spiritual journey or where we may be, have dealt with or are currently dealing with this. And Jesus says, our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts or our trespasses as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. About 10 days before Easter, I received a phone call uh, and, and it was um, from Pastor Jim Jorgensen, as many of you guys may know who he is. If not, you'll have an opportunity to meet him. He's a great guy. But whenever I received this phone call, he called to tell me of a passing of someone who used to attend this church, about how just tragically uh, this person, um, and I don't even know the entire situation that was, was kind of laid out, but uh, at a young age ended up passing away. And at first I was... I was kind of shocked. I just kind of sat there in disbelief, and, and I, I told my wife, and, um, and then I went upstairs and had to separate myself from the kids because uh, I had to start making phone calls to people in our church community who knew this individual. And as I sat on it and, and just really thought about it, because this, I mean, this person lived with us, um, was here back in the day. I started to realize as I was processing this through that I had unforgiveness towards this particular individual. And, and, and what makes it sad is I held on to my unforgiveness towards this individual because I, um, I kind of just, I just didn't want to open my heart back up to him. And, and I knew several months ago through a conversation actually with Marissa uh, that I, I had some unforgiveness, and, and he had reached out, and I had never responded, and we kind of just went, um, one day I'll get to apologizing or asking him for forgiveness, and then I got that call about 10 days before Easter Sunday that he tragically passed away. And, and I recognized at that moment something that I was holding on to because of my own ego and my own pride was keeping me from moving or keeping me from... Um, a place of forgiveness and healing in that relationship. Now, that being said, uh, I, it wasn't like I was just going to be best friends with, with the guy again, right? That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is I allowed my heart and my posture, I guess I should say, of my heart to keep me uh, from at least reconciling the relationship that had been broken. Now, I say that because I never expected it to come. I never expected it to, to happen, and um, it was one of those that, I, I guess, obviously, a day is not promised to us. We're only promised today, right? Uh, but I, I never expected to actually get that phone call and for it to happen, especially 
at such an incredible young age, just roughly 42 years old. Forgiveness, or should I say unforgiveness, is something in our hearts that if we do not deal with, can truly plant a seed of bitterness inside of us. A seed of bitterness that creeps down and that becomes toxic to everyone around us. To our relationships, to our marriage, to our friends, to our spouse, and to our children. And if it's something that we do not do with, deal with, then we are going to find ourselves um, getting bitter and angry and hateful in our heart towards other individuals. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about right here when he says, forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, or forgive us of our trespasses as we have forgiven those who have trespassed or sinned against us. And many times in our life, we don't want to forgive people because we say things like they deserve death, right? Have you ever said that to someone? Or maybe you've said it to yourself about someone. Maybe someone who you used to work with, they end up getting fired and and you really didn't like working with them and they finally got fired and you just kind of mutter under your breath, well, she deserved it. She deserved it. She got exactly what she deserved. Or relationships that end up falling apart or marriages that end up breaking up, we, we, we think that people get what they deserve. And yes, there is a consequence for our actions and for our decisions, but if they got what they deserved, then what do you deserve? What do you deserve in your life? What do you deserve in your heart? And that's where I want to go today. And so just a few signs, um, and this is from Psychology Today, of signs that you may be dealing with unforgiveness. This is, I don't want you to raise your hands. This is not one of those where we're going to raise our hands today and be like, oh, that's me. Um, just let your, let your, be self-reflective. Y'all cool with that? Okay. Thank you. Signs that you deal with unforgiveness according to psychology today. You experience a burst of angers. Anyone? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. See, I got you. One person raised their hand, but I won't say who it was. Um, second is becoming more passive aggressive. I, I thought that that was interesting. Some of us are just naturally passive aggressive, but becoming more passive aggressive. Unable to refrain from past experiences in our life. Um, you find yourself keeping a list of offenses towards other people. That's what I dealt with. I literally would deal with like, well, this person did this and they said this and um, he yelled at me and he didn't like my Instagram story and um, I just can't believe this person did that, right? I would keep a record of wrong or a record of offenses towards past people. Uh, some of us uh, we're dealing with unforgiveness if we find that ourselves are uh, mentally replaying the scene over and over and over and over in our head. Maybe it's a, a scene of abuse or a scene of hurt. Uh, the other is we tend to gossip about those who hurt us. We, did you hear what she did? Did you hear how they responded to that? Uh, um, another is you feel that you are righteous and entitled. You are righteous and you're entitled. And then the last one, and this is another one that I dealt with as well, you refuse to let others into your life. Unforgiveness hurts. It sucks, to be honest with you. 
Um, it, it stinks, and any time that we are uh, offended, any time that we are hurt, it is easy for us to build walls up around those that God has placed in our life. And I want to encourage all of us today to step out or allow ourselves to maybe take the first step towards forgiveness, the first step towards finding freedom, the first step towards maybe experiencing uh, the wholeness that, that Jesus intends for us in our lives. Uh, something that I think that, that we uh, can all agree is that hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. And I'm talking to some of you today because you're hurt. And you, you have a tendency to continue to hurt those around you who love you. You have a tendency to hurt those around you who want to have a relationship with you. And if you don't end up dealing with the hurt inside of your heart, you're going to turn and just end up hurting more people. And this is not what God intended for you. This is not what God intended for I or for us as a church community. But that we would be a church, of, a church community who walks in love, who walks in forgiveness, who walks in grace, and who ultimately walks to see the kingdom um, fulfilled in this earth. Forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. If you got your scripture, I want to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 18 because Jesus talks about the kingdom and he talks about forgiveness and he, he shares this incredible parable that I think would relate to this very thing that he's talking about in his prayer. And we're going to start at verses 21 and we're just going to walk through this for just a few moments today. But it says this, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. I, I kind of wonder what's going through Peter's head right here. Like, is he, is he asking this to really step out and to find freedom and to find forgiveness and to uh, repent or ask for forgiveness towards his brother that sinned against him? Or is he just trying to look at uh, what he has to do in order to obtain the kingdom of heaven and check off a list? Do you think that he's really asking Jesus, like, do, do I really, like, is it seven times that I need to ask for forgiveness? Is it 17 times? Or is it 77 times? And Jesus' response was, 77. Another translation or another uh, take on the gospel says uh, 77 times 7, right? And, and I think that this is the point that Jesus is trying to get Peter to understand is you need to choose to forgive those who have sinned against you until your heart ends up catching up with what's verbally coming out of your mouth. Meaning daily you need to wake up and you need to say, I'm going to forgive you know, um, Joe, I'm going to forgive Sue. I'm going to, no offense if your name is Joe or Sue in here, right? I'm going to forgive Christy. I'm going to forgive Michael. And you need to keep saying it and choosing to forgive it until what is coming out of your mouth actually ends up resonating into your heart. And I believe that that is what Jesus was saying to Peter. It doesn't matter if it's three times, if it's seven times, if it's 77 times, if it's 400 times. It's until your heart has truly found that forgiveness that you've ended up making a choice. Until your heart has found that place of healing 
from the decision that you're making daily. Continuing on in, in verse 23, he says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Now, something I think that is important for us to understand is that when we step out and when we um, say that we are going to forgive someone, we make that choice that we are making a choice that is kingdom. Forgiveness is kingdom. It is what God desires and what God designed for you and I to walk in. Forgiveness is kingdom. He continues on in verse 24. He says, when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had in the payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity, or another translation says compassion for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him of his debts. So forgiveness is kingdom. So here's here's the scenario, and um, I, I'm I'm trying to like how how to illustrate this in in the uh, a modern way, and I'll get to that in just a minute. But the scenario is is there's this this home dude, right? And he owes a lot of money to his master, a lot of money, and so the master's like, you know, lock him up in jail. He's gonna be um, he's gonna be forced to work this off until he pays until he settles all of his debts, right? Until he settles everything. And then once he settles everything, then he can be released. And, and, and this servant is like, Master, no. And like falls to his knees and is saying, have pity on me. Like, please, like, I'll do anything. And out of compassion and out of empathy, out of pity for this servant, the master then turns to him and says, hey, I can see that you're being sincere and asking for forgiveness. And so I'm not only going to forgive you, I'm going to forgive you of all of the debt that stood against you and your family. Go and don't be in debt anymore, right? It's like, like if Dave Ramsey was here, he's like, this, like, we're going from baby step number one to baby step number seven. Like, boom. Like, it's all your house, your car, your credit card, your mortgage, your, you know, all your hospital bills. It's poof. It's gone, right? I think about, and I've shared this story before, but whenever I was 18, 19 years old, my um, father's mother, so my grandmother, ended up passing away, and uh, my dad flew to Baltimore, Maryland to go to her funeral and, and spend some time with his family, uh, and I honestly didn't have a relationship with Granny Lee, uh, but um, what happened was my, my dad said, here's, you know, here's a credit card for emergencies, and I'm like, okay, all right, yeah. It's like the stupidest thing is giving an 18-year-old a credit card, all right? Uh, and so, and I may have even been 17, I don't know. Um, and so what did I do? I took his credit card, I went to Starbucks three times a day, and I got a triple venti white mocha. Y'all, that's like 3,000 calories. Like, I, I, I'm, like my, my gut hated me, okay? Uh, so I got a triple venti white mocha, um, and at the time it was 525, now it's 1525, right? I, uh, I don't know if it's that much, but, you know. Uh, and then I would take everyone to Tinseltown Theaters, which was the movies, and then we'd go to IHOP or Denny's, and, um, and then uh, we'd go to the Kalachi factory. Y'all that understand and know what the Kalachi, y'all are like, what is a Kalachi? Is he talking in tongues? And it is God's goodness um, in a breakfast sandwich, if you want to call it that. 
And, and so one day I went to go swipe it and it came back declined. And what I did is I ended up racking up all of this debt against my father on his credit card. And so he comes back and he gets the credit card statement. He says, son, we got to have a conversation. And I'm like, oh, you're talking to me. You're talking to me right now. And he was mad, rightfully so. And he locked me in my room and he forced me. No, he didn't do any of that, all right? But he did say, don't do this again. And he extended grace to me and he forgave me of my debt, which ultimately was then his debt that he had to pay. And um, he basically said, go and sin no more or go and don't take my credit card and buy triple venti white milkers anymore. I was like, yes, sir. And guess what? I didn't do it anymore. I learned my lesson. Now, Colossians chapter 2 is, there's, and I'm not going to read this, but Colossians chapter 2, you can go read it in your own time. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Because we have to understand that in our relationship with God, when we sin against God and when we sin against others, we are essentially making a list of every wrongdoing that we've done. I mean... Lying, uh, cheating on your taxes, stealing bubble gum from the corner store, right? Um, uh, looking at stuff that you know you shouldn't be looking at. We, we are making or we are developing this list that stands against us with its legal demand for us to be able to pay the debts and the debt the punishment for our sin is death, right? But Jesus going to the cross ends up taking our debt. And I love it, what, what it says in Colossians chapter 2. It says, Jesus took the record of debt that stood against you with its legal demand and he nailed it to the cross, canceling it. I love that. Because what God has done for us, what God is constantly doing for us is he's taking our sin, he's taking our debt, and he is canceling it with the blood of Jesus Christ. He's canceling it by nailing yours and my debt to the cross where we don't have to be in debt anymore. He continues on in verses 28 through 30. Jesus says, Now when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So I, I want you to catch this, all right? So home dude just got like Dave Ramsey showed up or what was the publisher's clearinghouse just showed up. Y'all remember that? Publisher's clearing, like show up and here's your check for $14 million because you had so many magazine subscriptions, right? And, and like they show up and, and you're out of debt, you're free, hallelujah, praise Jesus, you throw a party. And then you leave that space, and then you go, well, Kevin has a debt against me, and now that I've got all my debt taken care of, I need to go start collecting my debt. And so I walk over, and I go to Kevin's house, and I start knocking on his door. I'm like, Kevin, you owe me some money. And Kevin's like hiding, and like, oh my gosh, I, I, I didn't give him that $20. I, I thought I'd paid him back $20. But let me go, and you know, goes, and um, Kevin answers the door, and I choke him. Could you just imagine that? Like, Kevin opening the door. Hello, Pastor Mike. I have to, I can't even lift him up because he's so tall, okay? Like, 
But uh, he ends up choking him, and he says, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell to the ground and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. And he refused, and he went and he put him in prison until he should pay his debt. Now, this is where I want to talk to you. And I want to hopefully where the rubber meets the road for just a few moments here. You have been forgiven of your sins and of your debt to God by the blood of Jesus Christ. Every single one of you. Like, I want you to think about the absolute worst thing that you've done. Maybe you haven't embraced Jesus but the, the gift is there. The offer is there. You have been forgiven. I want you to think about the worst thing you've done. The worst lie that you've told. The wrong that you've done towards other people. And when God looks at you, he sees Jesus because of the blood of Christ. He doesn't see your wrongdoings. He doesn't see your sinful or your wicked ways. He doesn't see the lies or the cheating that you've done. He sees a perfect, spotless bride. All of us have access to this gift called forgiveness. To have our debts wiped away. If that is the case, then why do we take the forgiveness that God has extended to us and project it, project unforgiveness towards other people? Meaning someone wrongs you and you hold it against them. Someone lies to you and you're making a list of all the things that they've done and they've sinned against you. Someone has betrayed you and you want to completely cut them out of your life. Do you know what I, I find tends to, to happen is that we forget that forgiveness is grace-filled. Forgiveness is grace-filled. Meaning, God has extended his grace to us, but oftentimes we don't extend our grace to other people. Instead, we lock them in a relational prison from our lives. And just being completely transparent with you, that's exactly what I did to this individual. The individual that I knew I should offer forgiveness towards. The individual that I knew I should sit down with and at least have a conversation, not saying we're going to be best friends, but I took our relationship and I put him in a mental cell. I locked him in a relational cell and I threw away the key. Shame on me. Shame on me because God did not do that to me. God did not give up on me. God did not turn his back whenever at my worst I was rejecting all the grace, all the love, all the forgiveness that he could towards me. Again, I'm not saying that you have to go back to the individual and that you have to be buddy, buddy, best friends, high five, you're gonna go fishing and, and, and count you know, daisies and you know, prance at the Tulip Fest next weekend. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that some of you have locked people in relational prison and maybe it's time to take the key of forgiveness and put it in and unlock them and start working towards reconciliation. Start working towards a place where you can find healing 
And, and so I want to give you something very practical right now. Very, very practical. I want you to leave here today and I want you to make a list of those who you think you have unforgiveness towards. Maybe it's an old friend. Maybe it's a family member who you haven't spoken to in a while. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe you've got some unforgiveness towards your spouse and some things that you need to talk with him or with her about. But literally make a list saying, this is what I have. This is what's going on. This is what I feel towards this individual. And then take that list and bring it to Jesus and say, God, I, I need to make a choice and I'm choosing today to forgive these people. I'm choosing today to put my emotions online because your word says that we should forgive our debts as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And so God, if your word says I should forgive people because you've forgiven me, I'm choosing today to forgive people. I'm choosing today to, to at least make that choice to see what would happen. And here's the thing, if we don't do this, then unforgiveness only hurts you. It only hurts you. How you feel in your heart how you feel in your emotions is not necessarily gonna end up affecting the person who you're holding this unforgiveness towards. They may not even know that you have unforgiveness towards them. They may not even realize that they've offended you and you're holding this thing over their head, this offense over their head, and all it's doing is it's really just hurting you. It's hurting your spiritual walk. It's hurting your journey into the presence of God. It's, it's hurting your relationship with the individual or the relationship that you have with other people because now your guard is up and you've locked people into this relational prison and you don't want to let other people in into an area of trust. It's only hurting you. And, and might I even say this, is that Unforgiveness is probably one of the greatest stumbling blocks that you will have in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if we cannot extend to other people the love and the grace and the forgiveness that Jesus has extended to us, then we're never truly going to be able to walk in the freedom that God has intended for you and for I to walk in. We're never going to be able to fully comprehend and understand the holiness of God and the presence of God the way that God designs you too. We're never going to be able to really experience what it is to have the weight and the burden lifted off of us the way Jesus intended because we've picked up this offense that you and I shouldn't be carrying. We've picked up this wrong that we shouldn't be carrying. We've picked up this broken relationship that we shouldn't be carrying that ultimately we should just be giving to Jesus and allowing Jesus to bring healing and wholeness to our hearts. And because we don't, we're just carrying around this weight, this burden inside of us, and it hurts. And if we don't do something with this weight and with this burden, might I even say that one day it will be too late. It will be too late. 
whenever I got that call, I had someone reach out to me and said, hey, I know that you had some issues with this individual. I just want you to know you can give this to God right now. I was like, yeah, I, I know that. But then I had to sit there and I had to work through it. And I had to give it to God. And I had to allow God's forgiveness to wash over me, to wash over my pride, to wash over my bitterness. Continues on in verses 31 through 35, and then I'm going to preach for just a few moments as we start to wrap this up. He says, and when he, the fellow servant, when the fellow servant saw what had happened or what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and they reported all to the master that had taken place. Verse 32, then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you of all of your debts because you pleaded with me. And you should not, and you, uh, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. I want you to hear that. Like, that isn't Michael saying this. That's Jesus saying this. That if we don't forgive our brother, if we don't forgive our sisters who have wronged us, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart or your sister from your heart. Guys, that's heavy. That's heavy, and, and if my, I might even say that should be sobering to many of us. That should be sobering because many of us are walking around with unforgiveness. Many, is, many of us are walking around with bitterness in our heart. Now, this is where I'm going to get preachy for the next five minutes. But you know what I've realized is that oftentimes churches cry out for revival and I want to see revival move. I want to experience revival, but we're unwilling to deal with the bitterness and the unforgiveness inside of our hearts. We're unwilling to deal with the very thing that is keeping us from experiencing the revival that God wants to do inside of our hearts because we walk around with unforgiveness, because we walked around and we've taken individuals and placed them into a relational prison cell. And I think what's interesting is throughout all of this, there's this one passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 18, coupled between forgiveness and going to your brother and talking and working at all of this. There's this passage of scripture that says, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And what I've seen a lot of times is a lot of these great preachers will get up there and say, I've got the keys and we're gonna bind things on earth and they're gonna be bound in he uh, heaven and we're gonna loose things on earth and God's gonna move and the heaven's gonna end up invading all of this earth. But that one passage of scripture right there is literally in the middle of Jesus dealing with the bitterness and the unforgiveness of his disciples' hearts. We cry out for revival, but we won't allow God to revive our hearts and move us to a place of forgiveness in our life. Let me, let me just read it for you real quick so you know I'm not lying to you. 
He says this in verse 15 of chapter 18. He says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Meaning don't gossip. Go straight to the individual. Someone sinned against you. Like, hey, I, I need to, man, what you said really bothered me. It really offended me. And I just need to ask for forgiveness. And like, oh my gosh, I, I, I didn't realize that. That's what we should do. He, he continues on. And he says, if he listens to you, you have gained a brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you. That, that, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Meaning you've got that community around you. If he refuses to listen to him or listen to them, uh, tell it to the church or to the leaders of the church. And if he refuses to listen to the church, let, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Meaning cast out. All right. And again, that's, that's harsh. But then Jesus says, and this is the passage that everyone loves. I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And here we, here's another one. And I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Everyone loves that passage. Like, I'm asking in Jesus' name. Like, God, give me the winning numbers. Tomorrow's mega ball, right? I'm asking in Jesus' name for revival to happen. I'm asking. Revival will never happen in our land until the church can learn to forgive one another and be in unity with one another. Revival will never pour out in Albany until we in this room and other churches in our area go to our brothers and our sisters and we confess the wrongdoings or the offenses that we have towards individuals and we become of one mind and of one accord. Every great revival that you see throughout history, throughout history, including the scripture, starts when the people of God come together in unity with one accord, then the Holy Spirit ends up showing up. They've got unity and forgiveness towards one another, and they are desperate to see a move of God. You can't be desperate to see a move of God if you're unwilling to allow God to move in your heart. I want you to think about that. Some of us need to stop crying out for revival start allowing the Holy Spirit to search your heart. I want to invite you to stand. We're going to sing a song in just a moment. And I might even say, if you're dealing with unforgiveness in this place towards someone in this church community, now's an opportunity to go and talk with them, to go and pray with them. If it's someone from outside of this church, man, I want to challenge and encourage you. Make that list. Choose to forgive them and to walk this thing out. Get on the phone with him or her whenever you leave here today. Send them a message saying, hey, let's get together and have coffee. I'm doing that with someone on Tuesday. 
I'm not looking forward to the conversation, but I'm going to sit there and I'm going to share my heart and ask for forgiveness in true style. True story. So I don't want you to think I'm getting up here saying I've got all this worked out, because I don't. But what I do know is I'm allowing God to expose my heart so that I can be revived on the inside, so that I can be in unity with my brothers and sisters, so that what we ask in the name of Jesus for heaven to invade earth will end up happening. Four steps to help you walk through forgiveness. Number one is recognize that no one is perfect, no one but God. Number two, when someone wrongs you, refuse to pay, repay evil with evil. Number three, focus and be reminded on the forgiveness that Jesus has extended to you. And number four, pray for those that hurt you. So I'm going to pray, and if we can, if we could just kill the lights. And I just want to challenge you to search your heart. And allow the Holy Spirit to do whatever it is that he needs to do in your heart. And in just a few moments, Pastor Jacob's going to come up here and lead us into Holy Communion corporately as a church. And so, Father, I pray that you search our hearts, God. I pray that you would search my heart, Father. God, people that have wronged us, people that have sinned against us, Father, that you would give us the courage to take a step towards forgiveness and choosing to forgive those who have sinned against us as you have forgiven us of our sins.